0: So my name is Melissa. My name is Melissa C. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from um, the Hudson Valley. So actually, I'm on the same side of the Hudson, although it sounded really good in the thing that I was on the other side. But Hudson Valley, this you know, this, the Jersey side. Um, Tony, that was a gorgeous, reco- you know, um, intro, and and thank you. It really touched me. Um, and it's funny because the the This um, subject, you know, the finding God chapters, um, that's the entire book, by the way, every single chapter in this book, it says very clearly that we've written a book, which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral. And it means, of course, that we're going to talk about God. So we can't, you can't say that I want to leave the God part out. There is no leaving the God part out. If we leave the God part out, like, news alert, you might be at a Weight Watchers meeting, then like not, a, not in a 12 step meeting. And so, you know, the entire book, every chapter in fact, are the finding God chapters. Um, so, but my focus is really gonna be on the appendix. Um, and I, I love the appendix um, and, you know, an appendix actually isn't meant to be read in isolation because it an appendix by definition is a section of extra information added to the end of a book as supplementary material right and it's um, it's meant to add important information and so I think it's kind of important to sort of back it just a little bit to see well what are they adding information to um, you know and um, so on page 27 is where we're going to be like then directed to look at the appendix. And it says that, you know, you might be able, you might think that you can do it on your own without spiritual help. And um, this is about the conversation that the doctor had with a chronic, you know, with an alcoholic. He said, I never saw a single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it exists in you. And this person felt like the gates of hell was like closed on him. And he said to the doctor, is there no explanation? And there the doctor said, uh, yeah, there is. You know, exceptions to cases such as yours have been occurring <laughs> since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics had what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are a phenomenon. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideas, emotions, and attitudes which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives began to dominate them. And he says, yeah, I'm trying to do this in you. Right. And um, but I've never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. And then there's the asterisk that says, OK, read the spiritual experience. Right. So what is it giving me information about well that a spiritual experience is going to be a huge change that happens to a person that's what it's saying here and the way one thinks feels and behaves gets moved away to one side and a whole new way of thinking feeling and behaving takes over and basically our life perspective gets completely overhauled and then Here's the other space that we're going to be pointed to from is in We Agnostics. It says, um, much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to affect a contact with him. So the reason that that's going to point me, you know, eventually to the spiritual experience is that they're gonna start talking about how we can form a conception, how it is that we can begin. And, you know, I when I read this, it means that I can start from an inadequate conception, meaning that my idea can be inadequate. My idea can be weak, it can be incapable, unable to deal with the situation, not yet enough. I can have an idea that's not enough, but it doesn't mean that I can simply make up God, right? I've got a broken mind. I'm, I'm, if I could make up God, then I'm conceiving God. And then I'm the creator, then I'm the higher power. I'd better find something bigger than that. So, you know, and I think like, how does a child start with their own conception of mother, right? That's something we could sort of relate to. Little child, thanks, Janet, because we discussed this yesterday, um, a little child sees their mother, you know, in their earliest time as the warm thing that hugs me, the warm thing that holds me, thing that feeds me, right? Right. Well, as the child grows, their understanding, their conception of their mom changes and eventually becomes the one who opens their wallet for me. Right. The one who the one who who nags at me to do the wash. Right. It grows. And eventually, hopefully we have a bigger, more, you know, whole picture of what mother is. But in no way did I create my mother. Right. In no way did I. I'm not the conceiver of my mother, but my idea is limited. And this is really good news because my conception, my understanding can be limited. But my power, my power source that I'm going to rely on has to be limitless. It's got to be big, huge, you know. And so we're again reminded to look at the appendix and the idea, the term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. So this paragraph is telling us exactly what a spiritual awakening is. It's a, it's a spiritual experience is a personality change, which sounds to me when I read that, it sounds so earthly. You know, it's, it's not like all that deep esoteric stuff. It basically means my personality better changed. I have a personality problem, not just a food problem. And, you know, initially there was a part of me that's like, well, what if I like myself? What if there's nothing wrong with my personality? You know, I like the way I do things. Um, I'm quite happy with the person I am inside. And I had that arrogance. And I think a lot of people kind of come here with that little bit of that, a little bit of that arrogance? Um, and I can answer it really simply. If you like yourself so much, you know, I could say this to myself. If I liked myself so much, why was I killing myself with food, right? Why was I doing the very thing that I knew was bad for me, you know, if I loved myself so much, if I, if I had the power to live, you know, a great personality? Um, if you know you have an eating problem and you keep on eating, you might actually have a personality problem. That's a that's a personality issue, you know, and so we can look closely what is a personality anyway, this thing that I'm going to need to change what is it it's. You know it's defined as a characteristic set of behaviors cognitions emotional patterns that evolve from biological and environmental factors so most and most people think okay by a certain age someone's personality is kind of fixed. Right. And some people are born, you know, quieter, shyer, more outgoing, you know, more sensitive, more easy, whatever. And and then add in parents, add in schooling, add in lots of things. And by a certain age, we sort of have this personality and, um, you know, it it, and they say it gets kind of locked in place by a certain age. And here's the here's the great news. Right. A spiritual experience means that the things I do, the thoughts I have, and the way I feel, the way I, what I like, I don't like, what scares me, thrills me, challenges me, disappoints me, puzzles me, all of these things change for the better. They all get better, and you know, there's a huge improvement that happens. Um, I know for myself, I have a better personality today than I had before. I'm certain of it. Um, And, you know, and I know like, okay, so they say that experts say most personalities don't change, but we who have witnessed other people recover can say, uh uh-uh, we see it all the time. Personalities change. And, um, and luckily, you know, we've got this God that steps in that does the miraculous, you know, it comes in and does what experts say is impossible, you know, um, And here's the greatest news about this personality change. It's sufficient enough, powerful enough, to remove the insanity of the magnetic pull of the food. That this new personality comes in, and this new personality is not owned by food. Um, You know, we get this personality 2.0. Our perspective of the world changes. and, and, you know, the idea of change is pervasive throughout all of the steps. Um, I think the spiritual awakening is the awareness that God has taken me as if I were a ball of clay, and reshaped me into a former useful form. And, um, you know, it says in the chapter of Vision for You on page 152, it says, um, people sometimes are afraid that they're not going to like this new personality that they get. They're afraid that they're going to be, you know, stupid. It says on page 152, I'm willing, but am I consigned to a life where I shall be stupid, boring, and glum? Like some righteous people I see. I know I must get along without liquor, in our case, without food, but how can I? Have you a sufficient substitute? Well, I have to tell you what I've noticed. People in recovery are not boring and stupid and glum. We laugh, right? We feel freedom, joy, happy in our release. People get a new passion for living. You know, I have not witnessed God mushing us into this one big homogenous sameness. Like there's variety among us, we're all different. In fact, the three of us that are speaking today, are different. We have different ways, different, you know, um, and yet we can do this in this beauty. You know, we talk about unity in this program. There's lots of differences among us, but, but there's a unification among us too. I think what happens is God allows us to keep the best parts and makes them better, more pronounced and more useful. And the parts that weren't so great, he tweaks and changes or removes it entirely. But he doesn't remove the essence of what it means to be you we actually get to experience our essence more so you know um it's true that at the first printing many readers uh were given the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals happily for everyone this conclusion is erroneous you know um And that people believe that it's supposed to be a sudden change. And I had thought that I was stuck at step two at one point because I didn't feel God. I was like, I don't feel it. Um, And that God consciousness was the definition of step two. And I thought at step two, I was gonna get this powerful awareness of God that I would change almost magically and that I would be able to change into this great person um, and actually, I didn't really want to be a great person. I'll be honest. I just wanted to be a thin person. Just make me thin at step two. Save the greatness for someone else. Um, and and actually, what I really wanted was to be a strong person. Make me strong. Give me like strength and um, you know, so I could be thin and disciplined. And you know, and if that's what you're thinking, okay, chances are you're not alone because a lot of us kind of come in like that. Um, But thankfully, you're mistaken. Thankfully, I was mistaken. And of course, we're going to get stories of fellows who had white light moment. But if you haven't, it doesn't mean that you can't get well. That's good news. So among our rapidly growing fellowship of thousands of alcoholics, there are transformations that are sudden, right? But they're by no means the rules. And most of us experience what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety, because they develop slowly over a period of time. And quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the differences long before he is himself. Right? And and that over time, he begins to say, whoa, I had this this change in me, you know? Um, And it says, it further goes on and says, what often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. So years of self-discipline doesn't do it. Um, and um, with few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped to an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. So most people's personalities don't change overnight. And instead, they have an educational transformation through. in inst- so what's an educational transformation mean through instruction, information, illumination and enlightening. They change. It's ever so slowly in measured increments. Right. <laughs> or steps. Right. We change in measured increments, which are steps. Um, and and it happens that other people begin to witness long before we do that the change is occurring. And you know, one of the most powerful, for me, rewarding parts of sponsoring is watching people come in owned by food, physically looking sick, right? Definitely exhibiting symptoms of being self-centered, self-absorbed, full of self-pity, And you know, in the doctor's opinion, it it describes the witnessing of this transformation that we get to see. And it talks about that um, we begin to, you know, see people who don't look anything like they did before, that all resemblance of that other person from a trembling, nervous wreck, they emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. And, you know, so this doctor, you know, is describing a person that's been transformed. And I've seen it, too. And this kind of transformation cannot happen from years of self-discipline. There is a higher power component can't be done by human by human alone. You know, Um, and you know, so here are some examples of of the kinds of transformation we say, and if this is your story that I'm telling, then you're one of the gorgeous transformations that I've been privileged to witness. Or maybe your story isn't so unique, right? Because it's like someone said, I think you were talking about me. And I was like, mm, no, actually, I wasn't, you know. But we we do have these incredible transformations, right? So we go from people who, um, you know, uh, hate their coworkers and boss <laughs> to having compassion and actually finding likable traits in the people they work with. You know unable to be alone without eating to someone who enjoys like reading when they're alone you know can find something else to do someone who hated their dog i mean this is funny that i've seen this come up again and again people who have like major resentments and hate their dog they're annoyed with their dog to people who begin to assume responsibility for appropriately training their dog and then grow to love their fur companion um, you know, someone who spends all their free time like just in self-centered kind of activities to someone who um, really feels passionate about helping others. You know, people who argue and fight with everyone, in-laws, coworkers, neighbors, spouses, to someone who just doesn't get worked up that way anymore. You know, people who are terrified of their loved ones dying or terrified of their loved ones getting sick. To a person who just becomes appreciative of the gifts of the people in their lives you know i've had people that um i've worked with who couldn't get out of bed in the morning to see their kids off to school to to become people who actually ride bikes with their kids to school each day right those are sudden huge you know upheavals transformations seemingly you know sudden to the outside but really it happens in increments those kinds of changes so you know it's a slow and steady shift and if you have a profound alteration like this it becomes clear that it wasn't you that changed you can't be you that changed you and of course we cooperate with the change but the actual change was done to you and not by you and do all the self-discipline in the world doesn't turn a person from someone unable to make eye eye contact to a person brimming over with happiness, right? And joy and confidence. And um, and I feel like that's my story. You know, when I came into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, um, I was in so much pain and so much despair. I was over 300 pounds and I cursed God's existence. I was like, if I would have been told, come to a meeting of the Finding God chapters, I would have like gone the other way right? Um, I could not make eye t- eye contact. I was beaten down. And that is not the way that I enter a room anymore today, ever, ever, right? Um, even in uncomfortable situations, I can absolutely make eye contact with the people that I see around me. Um, you know, and so this personality change um, it, it's described a little more in how it works on page 63. It says, we have a new employer being all powerful. He provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. And established on sets of footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. So that's part of a spiritual awakening, less interested in myself, less interested in my little designs. You know, it's it's um, more interested in how we can contribute, and we become less afraid. And most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of a spiritual experience, and our more religious members call it God consciousness. So this awareness that it was unsuspected inner force is the God consciousness. Realizing that God has done for you that which you could not have done for yourself. And that's, you know, part of the night's promise. And it goes on in the spiritual experience to say that most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. So the spiritual experience impresses the understanding that we have to be honest and open-minded to all spiritual concepts, that we need tolerance, right? It talks about tolerance here. And my understanding of tolerance is not that smug, self-righteous way of looking down on others as though I have to tolerate them, but by rather that I have to have the strength within myself by not paying such close attention to every little feeling of discomfort the tolerance is my own discomfort that i have to tolerate i can learn to tolerate others ideas and perspectives and accept that different people do things differently um and basically i have to get a thicker skin got a growth skin that's thick i can accept that i'm not going to get my way most of the time and even if my way is the right way the less attached i am to outcomes the more i trust god the less, the more I find my strength, my faith is strengthened. So if I'm not practicing belligerent denial, because it says here, can't have belligerent denial, right? I don't want belligerent denial. Then um, I'm living with an easygoing, amicable acceptance, right? Um, It's a decision to allow God to move me from being a skeptic with an eagle eye for the flaws to a woman who's open to the miraculous and actually overlooks imperfections, right? Um, We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. That is really good news for us. You don't have to have any difficulty with here. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. And then it goes on to say that there's a principle, which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. And that principle is contempt prior to investigation. So if I think about it, a bar, a block, like keep out spiritual experience, right? Um, it's if i have an attitude that i have contempt prior to looking meaning that this is beneath my consideration right that this is worthless or deserving of a scorn basically the way i used to view god beneath my consideration right all this stuff is beneath me you know it's a disregard for something that should be taken into account. And it was how I viewed God, how I viewed spirituality, how I viewed religion. And the the worst part was, was that initially I didn't even want to investigate. So what does that mean to me? It means that in order for me to have a spiritual experience, I have to look, and I have to look with an expectation that I'm going to find. I have to look with awe and admiration. I have to seek out with the certainty that I'm not only gonna find God, but that I'm gonna delight in what I find, and that I'm gonna actually enjoy the action of looking, of finding, right? And, um, you know, I'll tell you, you know, when when I read about this conception, this idea of um, forming your own conception, there was a part of my story, and this sort of explains. um, The. um, The contempt I had prior to investigating where I came to I knew I was powerless, I knew I was crushed, I knew I was in desperate need of something and. And, and I'm a really, I'm a really smart girl, right? So I do a lot of reading, and I've always used my intellect to try to figure everything out. And that is my go to, I still try to use my intellect. Um, And um, so I remember reading, you know, why don't you form your own conception? And I said, Oh, wait a second. You just told me, that my brain is broken, that my thinking is wrong, that there's something very, very wrong with my brain. And now you want me to use this broken thinking brain of mine to create a God, to think up God, to make up God. And and I remember thinking, that's ridiculous, right? And here's the incredible thing that happened for me. I heard another voice come into my brain And I would say this was an early conception for me. And the voice I heard sounded just like my dad, right? Now, I know my father who's gone is not God. I'm fully aware of that. But when we say that, why don't you form your own conception? My earliest entryway into hearing something, I needed a voice that I could hear That was familiar that spoke the language that I was ready to hear in that sick space. And here's what I heard right when I said, this is ridiculous. What do you just want me to think this thing up now? I heard this other voice that said, just like my dad would say, don't be so smart. You want to get well or not? And for me, like that's what it means. Why don't you start form your own conception? Start from what you can, right? And in that moment, when I heard that voice, I remember thinking, yes, yes, I do wanna get well. And yes, I'm willing to lay aside this contempt, this contemptuous beneath my consideration kind of idea. And funny enough, further now that I'm further along in recovery and I think about it, and my own relationship with God is, always growing and getting bigger i wasn't wrong back then i actually was a little bit right i could not make up god if i could make up god then i'm it right but i needed to start from where i was i needed to start with almost that child right of i'm hungry be the thing that feeds me, right? That form of my early conception of my mother, right? It's the same sort of thing. So God came in right where I was at. I needed something and it was there. He was there. He met me exactly where I was. And so my direction continues to be, keep looking. God wants me to seek. And if you're wondering, you're here at this group today, and you're saying, okay, this is the finding God chapter. I want to find God. How do I find God? Excellent. It starts with an honest desire, right? And it starts by looking for one. And um, I'm going to leave some time for questions. And with that, I will pass. Wow.
1: Thank you so much. It's just really awesome, Melissa. Okay, uh, just to let everybody know, this um, is being recorded. We are gonna record the questions and answers also. If you are not comfortable having your voice only recorded, you can throw your question up into the chat and I will read that out for you. But at this time, I'm happy to take any types of questions that we have. So I'm just going to go into the chat. Please raise your hand in the chat. If you're on the phone, I believe it is star nine to raise your hand. Okay, so we're ready to take some questions. Or Melissa. Don't be shy. We're all friends. Okay. Let me see. Am I seeing any questions in the chat? I see a question here. Uh, hand raised. Go ahead, Hope.
2: Yes, Melissa, you talked about education, and you talked about, um, um, okay, when you talked about education, you talked about intention, illumination, and you gave a couple other things that I missed. Could you speak to that again?
0: Sure. I'm going to pull out because I I kind of jotted a note here about what education is. Find education. Hang on. Um oh my goodness. Um okay, education is so this is like really a definition of what education is. It's instruction, information, illumination, and enlightening. Right? That's what education really is. Um, I love, I'm going to sort of like add in on that because I think, um, you know, I I know I speak about it a lot. I'm an educator and there's, there is something um, very much that even the educational variety, there's something, there's the powerful working of God that takes information that does not exist in a person's mind and they can hear it and take it in from another source and it actually creates, you know, something inside a brain through hearing that it becomes yours, that it becomes your own information. That to me really is a powerful, that is the the hand of God in there that takes something that does not exist in one person and then puts it in and then it's theirs, right? Um, Thanks.
1: Thank you so much for that question, Hope. Okay. Uh, Next, we have Norvette. Go ahead, Norvette. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. And thanks to everyone on the line who's doing service today.
0: Um, Thank you to the speaker for sharing your experience. My question, I was a few minutes late logging on, and so I wanted to ask, I heard references to quite a few of the chapters in the big book. I wanted to know, since I was late logging on, was, Melissa, was there a main chapter that you were referencing today? Yes, yes. Although I jumped all over the place, my focus was in the back of the book, the appendix, the spiritual experience. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your experience, I
2: pass.
1: Okay, thank you so much for the question. Okay, we have a question from the chat right now. And the question is, what if we think we don't deserve a relationship with God, the goodness, love, et cetera? Thank you for
0: that question. Wonderful, wonderful. And I'm going to steal someone's thunder because uh, it was definitely don't steal it. I'm doing it in the next session. I'm going to do it in the next session. So I'll say something different about that. Um, I don't believe that to be true because I'm not, I am not owned by me. It's not, this is not, I am owned by something much bigger than me. I have a creator and um, my creator gave me a purpose and meaning in my life. And so there's work to be done. And it's not up to me to say that I'm not willing or not that that's um that's you know for me that's like saying i created something and that thing that's created says that it should not be created it doesn't have value and worth and that's not true my very existence here to me means that that i am certainly Valued. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have been the creation. You know, I wouldn't have been created by a creator. And I think um, there's a way. You know that that we get around that. We we're useful, right? I have purpose and meaning in my life. I, that's a. It's not for me to decide that. That's a um, a position that uh is not up to me to decide my my value and worth. Thanks.
1: Thank you very much for the question. I'm gonna take another question from the queue. Somebody says, I missed the part of letting go of outcomes. Could you please go over that again?
0: Sure, I'm trying to remember what I put there, but I guess it's really step three, is um, I am my job, you know, when I, when I surrender myself to um, have an employer, right? That God is my employer, Um, I'm not in charge of the outcome anymore. I never was, by the way. I only thought I was, which probably explains why, you know, um, life was so difficult and so hard for me. So, um, my, my charge is to live in agreement with what I believe God would have me be, and God would have me do. And I leave the results up to God. And I, you know, I have like an example, you know, in my in my um workplace, right? So I have um I have a specific charge. I'm I'm supposed to, you know, do a specific job. I have records that I'm supposed to keep. I have information that I'm supposed to keep track of. I have children that I'm in charge of, you know, edu- educationally. Um and God would have me be and behave a certain way. And um, I also work for a school district. I also have a principal, I also have, right? But ultimately I have an employer. I have something that is above my boss, my students, the parents, I have a relationship with God who tells me how I'm supposed to behave and and the outcomes are in God's hands. So I might not like the way things are in my workplace. They might not be to my liking. Mm but I still, I cannot manipulate my behavior to get the outcome um, that I want. Whenever I do that, I'm banging my head against the wall and I'm, um, I'm in a lot of pain. Thanks. thank you very much.
1: Roz, I see your hand raised, but we're gonna have one more question from the queue and that kind of goes along with what you just said, Melissa. How do you handle when the outcomes are not what you want? just like you said that is accepting loss and disappointment how does this work with your relationship to higher power
0: boy that's when i really need god that's when i really find i need god and yeah that's that happens a lot of the time right mm-hmm. what what i think happens what what helps me first of all i pray i i really ask god to give me comfort to help me with this to to, you know, um, allow me to, to, um, sit in the discomfort, right. Cause it's basically, I don't, I feel uncomfortable when I'm not getting the outcome I want. Um, and, um, and it's really where I, I need God. Most of all, I find, um, yeah, this is really where, um, you know, how does it, work with my relationship with my higher power i you know one of the things that i've realized is um i don't get to see the entire picture you know i can view i have a human view so i see life. this was explained to me once i see life through the keyhole of a door and i only get that small little piece of information Um, and it doesn't look like it's to my liking but i've had a lot of things in my life that felt like this is not what i wanted and when life you know unfolded the actual and the door gets opened wider the picture you know what god had waiting for me was so much better and so i kind of lean into that more and more you know many things have occurred in my life that did not weren't pretty at the time but they've actually turned out to be and we're told right that that we're promised that we're gonna get you know better than what we could have imagined. God's plan is infinitely better than what we had imagined. So, thanks.
1: thank you so much, um, Alyssa. You're next. Go ahead and unmute, please.
0: Um,
3: hi, this is um, Alyssa, compulsive reader Thank you so much, uh, Melissa, for your share, and. Um, I heard something, uh, in a big book meeting last week that, um, I had never heard before in my time in program. And that was, um, a few people shared about how, um, spiritual experiences had become self-knowledge and, uh, and, you know, and that was a bar to, to, um, moving forward. And, and I, and I've sort of been thinking about that all week and I wonder, um, you know, how you, Uh, would interpret that. I heard you talk about, you know, using intellect, right? And it's like, what are they talking about? Are they talking about kind of taking credit for like some, you know, intuition that I was gifted in the past and thinking like, oh, I, you know, came up with that. Or anyway, just wondered how that, um, how you hear that and and if it means anything to you.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that, um, you know, we're warned that um, pride will will take us down, you know, and so, um if ever I start thinking that this you know this power resulted in me and is is all as a working of me, I am in trouble. And so, um, thankfully, I have a practice. I have people that um, I love and respect that help me hold my feet to the fire that you know that, we pray together. I mean, I I would say, Alyssa, that before, oftentimes before, um, Janet and I will come on for for something. We generally pray together, and um, my prayer is that I always ask God to like just tell me what you want me to say. Tell me what you want me to think. You know, let it be your words, let it be um, and not mine so much, but. I would say that, you know, that what you described, Alyssa, yeah, that can happen quite easily, um, thinking that the power originated in us. And please, I pray, you know, my my heartfelt prayer is, God, don't let me, don't let me go down that road. Um, thanks. Questionary. Thank you,
1: Thank you. Next, we'll hear from Roz. Hi, Roz. Go ahead. Please unmute.
2: Hi, Melissa. Hi, everybody. I'm Roz compulsive here. Oh, you know, you shared something today I never heard the analogy I loved and I would love to hear you share about it again. You talked about if um, the relationship with your mother and how, you know, how like you didn't create your mother, you know, that was a great analogy because, you know, like how I could see how you could say maybe that's been one of my problems. Like, how can you create a God with a broken brain? And tell me more about like more that about that. I love that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because this was literally this was a conversation Janet and I had last night because I have been um I've been having a lot of thoughts recently about um you know some things sometimes I hear places about about messages about God that Uh, Just ask me to question myself, that I don't want to get self-righteous. I don't want to start, you know, pointing fingers at other people. They're doing it wrong. They're, you know, they're thinking about this God thing wrong. And I have to be really careful about that. That's not, that is not what I want to do. And, but I, but I do think that um, it's arrogance for me to think that I conceived God, that it's my, that I can make up a God that suits me. I can't just make up whatever I like. And so we were talking about it. We had a discussion last night about it. And Janet said, yeah, it's like kids' conception of their mother. So it really came, it came out of my friend's genius brain. And we just sort of reworked it and wired, you know, and thought about it together. But yeah, I think it is. Um that's something I'm definitely going to think more about too, As that that idea of really
2: Can I ask you something yeah. else in relation to that? Sure. Yeah, so so when you're creating your, you know, the characteristics of what you want God to be for you, how is that different than you, you know, do you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, well, I'm still not thinking of God. It's just my human mind has, a, has only the approach to see what a human mind can have. But my attitude, right, which is what the spiritual experience talks about, is that I have to, I have to keep seeking. I have to know that whatever I believe I know about God today isn't enough for tomorrow. I'm going to have to grow it even bigger come tomorrow. I'm going to have to open it up and allow more illumination to come in. But, um, but just because I'm, I'm you know utilizing characteristics of God doesn't mean that I am creating the characteristics of God.
2: Right. I love it.
0: Thank you so, so much. That
1: was a great talk. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Roz. We'll next hear from Natalie and then we'll take a question from the queue. Thank you.
4: Hello, my name is uh, Nathalie. I'm originally from Montreal, Canada, but now living in Europe and um, This afternoon, uh, Melissa, I was walking and uh, had a uh, OWA podcast in my ear and you were the one speaking. So uh, this evening for me, you are also the one speaking. Uh, Maybe there's a connection there, I don't know. My my question is, um, first of all, thank you for your share. It's always so inspiring to hear from your experience. Uh, My question is, because uh, you know the type, I'm also very intellectual and very uh, big ego and everything. And sometimes it's not easy for me to distinguish uh, what I hear from myself or is it God speaking or myself speaking or myself wishing that God would speak to me that way. So can you uh, explain how Are you at this point that you are sure that is God speaking or something higher than yourself? Or is it yourself speaking to yourself? Do you get my question?
0: I do get your question. And actually, you know, uh, we're warned against that. That's part of uh, step 11, that we're, you know, we can't, we're not going to be inspired always and we might pay for this right and all sorts of absurd actions right and all sorts of absurd things so we're kind of uh, I would say when I get a bright idea something that feels like whoosh inspiration and um I don't just go off and act on it on my own I I do I love the committee of three you know um I have I have actually even more committees, than that. but I, I, you know, yes, I go to God, I go, but I also have people that, um, that I say, what do you think about this? Like I had this, I had this big thought suddenly, what, what, what do you, what do you think about this thought? And, um, you know, and the other thing I would ask you is like, where are you in the steps, right? Because, um, I think there, there, you know, there's something about that. I think our, we're told at a certain point we get uh, more inspiration than at other points. I wouldn't say it's step one, we're inspired, right? Um, or, and have intuitive thought, but yeah, I hope that helps.
1: Thank you very much for that question. I'm gonna take a question from the cube. It says, I'm on step three and don't feel or hear God. You said this was also the case for you early on. I can get quiet and guess, but how do I know what God's will is? At what point will I feel more connected and can trust that I'm doing God's will?
0: Okay. So I would say for me, it started with the polar opposite. So I would like polar opposite of, I knew what God's will wasn't. And I could say, I knew what my, like, I was looking for a relationship with my higher power. So I could say, okay, then I know, I know what my lowest weakness is. That's really clear. And if it's my lowest weakness, then I, need to, then I need to seek the opposite. But we're not necessarily, we're not told that we're gonna feel God consciousness at step three. But, um, you know, um, and so that that sudden, that huge feeling of God, you know, might not come until later, but we can certainly um, lay aside our lowest weakness. We can start like I might not know what God's will is for me in all situations, but I'm pretty sure I know what God's will is not for me, right? And I could and I could start from that perspective.
1: Hmm. Thanks, thanks, Melissa. Uh,
2: Louise D, go ahead. Hi Melissa, thank you so much. I got so much out of your share. Um, I recently had a spiritual experience. Um, I have I'm through the steps and I'm just beginning sponsoring. I have my first sponsee, and uh, I went through nine, right? And I had a lot of resentments, so I struggled letting go of some of them, right? And and I got some relief, prayer, and you know I made those amends. Now just recently, I had gone to my first in-person spiritual place, right? Since the pandemic. And my plan was, I'm gonna pray for my children. I'm gonna sit here, I'm gonna pray for my children. Well, the spiritual leader shared this experience about herself, about some shameful event that happened to her in her twenties, that happened to me in my twenties. And as she shared it, I instantly felt the shame of that experience leave me, like a, some kind of a beautiful healing. And I realized it was at the root of at least 10 of my resentments. Um, that I didn't even know that was the root of I, I knew why I resented, but when that when when that little shame from my 20s that I guess I was holding, I'm 60 now um, was relieved, it relieved a lot of these resentments. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the root and the branches and how you know just that that spiritual lift of of the root because I feel, I got some, I got relief in step nine, but when that root of the shame I had and how I saw all these people, and now I feel like even if they do harmful things today, I'm not seeing it the same way, you know? Um, Because that part of me is now healed and not vulnerable. Um, And so I I know they say we have to remove the root, but I think it's a challenge because I think trying, it, it didn't come you know, but then it just came, you know, through, I think another person sharing. Sometimes that's, you know, the beautiful part of the meetings are our step two that God restores us. Um, and just hearing it, and not having you preached at me, right, but having someone else honestly share. So um, if you if you have anything to say about the roots, thanks.
1: Yeah, well, sorry, Marissa, we, have, yeah. we have 3 minutes left just so you okay, know. Three so minutes.
0: I'll say really quick. Thank you. Actually, I don't even know that I would have much to add to that. I think your your story of it is exactly how this thing works. Is why we do fifth steps with other people because there is nothing so much as healing as having someone else share their truth about themselves in all beautiful humility. And then that somehow allows us to to like, you know, come to some deep understandings about ourselves and and release it ourselves. I think, you know, thank you for sharing that. I don't really know that, you know, that <laughs> I have much to add. Thank you.
1: Okay. Thank you. And there is one last question I see in the queue. And that question is what is the committee of three?
0: So it's, you know, it's God, my sponsor, you know, and, and myself, right? God, my sponsor, myself, or really for me, you know, I would say it's like, it's more. It's God, my sponsor. It's like mm, this much of myself. And it's like my, like trusted fellows. I don't just have a sponsor. I have, you know, co-fellows. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Melissa. We have time. We have two minutes. Time for one more quick question. Anybody? have to raise your hand electronically because I can't see everybody. Okay,
2: Donna, go ahead. Thanks. Um, it says in the book, um, God is concerned with us humans when we want them enough. And what was your experience of, what was it enough
0: for you? Oh, I love that. So that really tells like, for me, I reached a point where, um, I, my last binge, I ate till my mouth bled, and I was terrified because I couldn't stand. It hurt to chew, and I couldn't stop chewing, and it didn't taste good, and I couldn't stop doing it, right? Had a mouthful of blood and, and shredded wheat cereal. Neither of it tasted very good, and my mouth hurt, and I kept eating. It's horrible, it's horrible, and I knew at that moment it had nothing to do with food, And everything to do with something really wrong with me and i cried out this person who didn't necessarily believe in god came out of my mouth god help me and shortly after you know i tell this all the time i walked into a home repair place and there was a woman you know who i knew spoke of god all the time at meetings who was someone that i would have avoided because she spoke about god too much i mean that was the truth where i was right And all I can say is that instead of ducking down another aisle, which I would have done on any other day because I had gained weight, my feet walked my body right over Tara and out of my mouth came help me. Mm. Right? And if that's not God, you know, I don't know what is. Thanks.
1: Wow. Thank you so much, Melissa. Perfect, perfect timing. Um, Melissa, I'm going to ask if you can please, if you're willing, put your information into the chat. So people that were unable to have their questions answered can find you. I sure will. Thank you very much for your beautiful service. Okay. If you can just stop the recording here. Thank you.